right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to uh, the Victory Club yet again. The No Laying a Podcast. Uh, kind of out of ways to say this and get like get super excited about Max Homa victories at this point because they happen with such regularity that uh, I, I listen. We're going to spend some time unpacking that. Solly here, calling in from the Mountain Time Zone. Big Randy, hello, Mister Big. Hello, hello, gentlemen. It's a true pleasure to be here. I feel like it's been a minute, so. Thank you for having me on your show today. I hate when you do that. KVV from ESPN, the magazine, ESPN.com. I probably don't describe your job properly, but he's well known for being on the No Laying Up podcast quite frequently as well. But Kevin Van Valkenburg is here. Hello, KVV. Sorry, I appreciate that the magazine lives on here uh, knowing up, even if it doesn't live on in real life. Uh, magazine always be, ESPN, the magazine always be near and dear to my heart. Uh, I just have to say... I, I, you should have, you got to stick the, the knife in Max if when you have the chance, because once he has that kid, he's going to be basically impossible to beat oh because the God. perspective would be so overflowing. So, really, the, the guys are really whiffing at chances here to take him out when they should, because how good is he going to be once perspective kicks in? Oh, you know, God. Kevin, I, I, I was listening to the broadcast earlier this week. They were talking about this was a baby moon of sorts mm-hmm. for, uh, for Max and Lacey. They enjoyed a meal at the French Laundry. Yes. And so I can't help but think he's probably tapping into a bit of that perspective already. I I, I have to think that helped propel him. I mean, getting to have a $5,000 meal must make you feel like, you know, you've really arrived in life. Uh, I think the PGA, I heard the PGA Tour picked up the bill. So, you know, uh, (laughs) once now among the elites and going to play like it, so. Bad week for the PGA Tour to be picking up more bills. I mean, we got we got more to talk about on that front. First, I want to give a shout out. Of course, uh, John Rahm last year led the PGA Tour in strokes gain off the tee in the 21-22 season. He was plus 1.025 off the tee. Also, Yuka Sasso currently leading the LPGA Tour in that stat. Randy, trivia question: What do those two have in common? Mm, uh, they've never been in my apartment. That on top of that. They, uh, they're both Callaway ambassadors. They, uh, yeah. Well, you and tell they me. both play Rogue ST drivers. That's oh what I'm getting gosh. at here. Rom uses the 10.5 Max LS, which I honestly did not know that he uses the Max. That's super interesting to me. Uh, I kind of thought that was more for the DJ Pies of the world, if you will, in, in that, uh, wow. listen, okay. not, <laughs> that's not a dig. We're, I'm transitioning here into saying we will be having a DJ Pie What's in the Bag go live uh, this coming week. And I think that... Comes close to rounding out our entire set here. Also, Yuka uses the Triple Diamond 9-degree driver. Uh, I am using the Triple Diamond uh, LS as well, and uh, I'm excited. DJ is describing that he now hits a proper ball. Gone is the Peely fade with the driver, which we didn't see that necessarily on display at the long drive contest that he did with the LPGA players. That was a tough draw for him. It was an emergency session, wet using tennis shoes and listen he did have a 207 carry that happened that's on video that's going to be out there and that's going to live forever but we appreciate him being the mark in that contest you know we always said like it's great to have like for olympic races having a very average person go next to the olympians to, to give you an idea of how good they are uh that was dj pie for that video so shout out to him for that and also you can go to callawaygolf.com slash rogue driver for a lot more information on the which which rogue driver is the proper fit for you 
Guys, I got to admit, I got kind of the uh, the Sunday scaries today a little bit. Like, don't really feel normal. I drank too much this weekend. Was kind of, you know, I was in Maryland. I was in your neck of the woods a little bit, KVV. And I'm having trouble kind of processing and like calming myself down tonight. And the end of that golf tournament, despite the result being exactly what I would have wanted, has me like feeling jittery for this podcast. I'm not ready to fully comprehend what just happened there on the 18th hole at Silverado. I never envisioned a scenario in which I would feel bad for Danny Willett, yet I still kind of felt, I was like, ooh, I, I, I've i seen that happen amongst my like three and four putting uh, am friends and, and have done it myself a little bit. But that's not something you usually see from a pro. And so I, my heart was definitely heavy for, for Danny in that moment because that's that's not, not a way to lose a golf tournament. Guys, I think we can call it, it was a match play situation and that was truly a Mongolian reversal. I, I don't know if we'll ever see such a vivid example of a Mongolian reversal and for it to happen on the 72nd hole and to decide the tournament. Oh, I'm feeling blessed. What, what an ending. How many times do you think they would have to play that scenario again for it to, for Max to win it on the 18th green before it goes to a playoff? How many times would they have to do that again for him to chip that in and for Danny Willett to three putt that one? I would are say there, at least in this, in this scenario, are their memories wiped clean after every uh, thing or do they? Because, sure. Because I think that's the only way that it could happen again. Because like if it happened like a second time, I think that Danny would be like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to make this putt." Like I know, I, I don't know, something just sort of like he was totally under like un. He, there's no scenario in which he thought Max was going to make that chip, and I think it probably shook him enough to where it was like, "Oh, okay, well I'm just going to give this a little more pace and just get it done with it." And then it was like, "Oh fuck, what am I going to completely lose this whole tournament now?" Like <laughs> I, I think as as long as he could know, like and let's say we play that out three more times, and every time he knows that Max is going to make that chip. I think he wins it every other time. So it's only that series of events happening that way that allowed him to, to blow it. And Randy, I'm going to push back on match play situation because in match play, when he missed the first putt, that would have been it. And that would have been the end of the hole. He, he needed a three putt that for that to go the way that it did. Max Holmes' fourth win in 41 starts. This Ooh. is like, that's Rory's career win rate is 10%. And Max Homa has done has had four of those over the last 41. Randy, I'm sure I know exactly where you're going to go next. Go ahead. Well, it's his fifth career PGA Tour victory, which ties him with the immortal Ricky Fowler, one of the best to ever play. And I think that's no small feat in and of itself. So hearty, hearty congratulations to Maxwell Homa. I will confirm to the listeners the link has been sent. We are going to hopefully keep up the tradition, a long-standing tradition of him calling in uh, to the show after he wins golf tournaments, which is I still can't believe this is going to be the fifth one that we've <laughs> that we've celebrated since he was partying with us at the Web.com Tour Championship hospitality tent over the weekend after he missed the cut <laughs> at the Web Tour Championship in 2018 here in Atlantic Beach and uh, did a podcast with us that week and was there to celebrate getting his PGA Tour card back after a 2017 season, which he missed 15 of 17 cuts and earned three FedEx Cup points over the course of an entire season and now wins very, very, very regularly on the PGA Tour. I, I, I'm flabbergasted. I'm so happy for Max. The guy's put in so much work. Another PGA Tour pro has told me basically he's like, I think Max's real goal is to be the number one player in the world. Like he's Ooh. legitimately on a mission to be the number one player in the world. I'm not necessarily saying that it projects that way, 
but that is the way he works at his game currently. And man, there's not many guys that win at the at the clip that he's doing right now. It's looking like uh, NLU bought stock in Max like when he was like Apple, you know, like early on, you know, really buy low and just never sell, just basically hold on to that stock forever. That's, that's or it's like you don't know where you kept the stock, you don't actually get any return for it. Like you don't know where you. <laughs> Look, can I, actually it's it's all in crypto. I, I have the the combination somewhere. I cannot find my keychain or whatever the f is going on. So. We're so we're so wealthy on paper. <laughs> on paper, we are wealthy. Yes, uh, I'm going to put either of you on the spot, Solly. Listening to, you know, the the four wins and 41 starts statistic, we've seen that from you know what what we'll call like top 10 players in the game. Your Rory's, your Tigers, whatnot. I, I hope Max solidifies himself in that group soon. But my question is, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of a another run that would that has been like Max's run here. Can, can you think of anybody that's peeled off, you know, four in, in 40 or, or, you know, four in however many? Jason Day in 2016, yeah. was it? He, he peeled off like five and 12. Like he, he, he did, that was absurd. That's a run that we don't really think about and, and you know, we easily kind of forget about. But uh, I'm sure, uh, yeah, off the top of my head, that's the guys that aren't, you know, some of the names that make a lot more sense to make it happen, I could probably name. I'm sure Rory's done. I mean, that's literally Rory. Like I said, that's literally Rory's career win uh, win rate. But yeah, there's not somebody that's never played on a Ryder Cup or Presidents Cup team that has done that that I can think of. Because uh, yeah, KV, you got him. You got one. Uh, I mean, Bryson did it right when uh, for, he won three in that one sort of stretch. And I don't know about if he ever get to five of that stretch, but certainly Justin Thomas, the year he won five, I would think probably would have done it. So I mean that's I mean I look is I know I I, I consider those guys like I, I don't want to put I don't want to damn Max here but I, I those guys major winners I I almost feel like that's a a little bit different echelon from where Max has been through this this run I think so but like I think that the projection of what used to be how PGA Tour players used to sort of come up and then turn into major winners is sort of a little bit different it got a little bit skewed certainly by Tiger and then by like Rory and Jordan, like it used to be like, if you were, you know, getting to be 30, you were like a prime contender to like come into your own and be like, okay, this guy is now he's going to win a major. Right. And I, I don't know that Max is ever, it's, it's not someone I would say would rip off like four or five majors most likely, but like he could definitely win a major and at, you know, 29, 30 years old, that's kind of when most historically like players would do it. And so look, is he an outlier, like, you know, a generational player? you know probably not but god who knows maybe i mean some guys just come into their own when they get to be in their 30s right and so maybe max is one of those kind of late bloomers who's just like figured it out and figured out more and more how to build and play you know great and believe in himself and play great golf and all of a sudden like he might end up being the i mean imagine if max rips off three four wins in this year which you know you win the second term of the year that's very like possible that you could do and you never know. Like he could definitely get inside the top ten. You know, guys keep jetting off to live. You never know. He could keep climbing up the rankings that way too. And if people don't like it, f him. That was the chip he had on his shoulder. He said right. in the interview afterwards. He said, you know, I know it's just people on Twitter, but you know, some people have said to me the only reason I made the Presidents Cup team is because the guys left for live, and so I was, I was playing with a little more chip on my shoulder. Who do you think said that to Max? Like, I always love that's is that like the thing where people are like, well, I was under the impression that people were saying Steph Curry wasn't a good shooter. Like, who is saying to Max, you know, you never would have made the President's Cup team if the live guys didn't leave? Like, uh, <laughs> the reply no, that, guys? That, no, that, yes. who's the bozo? 
Oh God, he's an Australian guy. He's a troll. Oh, Adams. Nick Adams. Nick the... Adams. Yeah, yeah. He somehow has latched onto Max. It's hilarious. <laughs> I would say it's somebody that has a lot of numbers at the end of their username. That would be my guess. Is uh, and probably created account in somewhere around June of 2022. Total coincidence. Guys, but, time to guys. I've I've, I've discovered somebody that I believe went on a run very similar to Max. Okay. Would you like to take a guess? It happened end of 2013 into 2015. I thought you were going to say Finau because he's starting to he's that's pretty close over the last. Uh, uh, he's got a little work to go. Was it Jimmy Walker? It was Jimmy Walker. Yes! That's that's exactly right. He he won for the first time in October of 2013 at the Fries.com Open, and then won for the fifth time in March of 2015 at the Valero Texas Open. Five wins in, what is that? Certainly less than 18 months, right? About 18 mm -hmm. months? I will say this for Max's improvement. Like his, he, he almost has improved by an entire stroke uh, from the 2021 season in which he won. He won in that, in that season, right? And this is, uh, I don't know exactly how data golf counts the seasons versus years, but he was 0.64 strokes gained in 2021 and he was plus 1.45, that's eight-tenths of a shot, which is enormous. That's mm -hmm. per round. That's three shots a tournament that you that he has improved over the last. Like, he's raising his floor, and on top of that, he's having great peak, peak weeks where he's going out and winning golf tournaments. I think, it's, too, this is, like, a little bit outside of my, like, depth because I don't do a lot of gambling stuff. But, like, when you're the betting favorite and you come yes. into a tournament where everyone expects you to win, it doesn't matter how you win. If you win again, that's, like, big boy shit. Like you deserve yes. to, that's a different mentality of like, okay, everyone, I'm the defending champ. I'm the betting favorite. Everyone expects me to come in here. If I kind of finish in the top 10, then everyone will think, oh, that's a good thing. Will you win? That's like, okay, I'm the best player here. I'm going to show up and basically deliver. And he did. And that's, that's what I think he talks a lot about is like, hey, building things on top of one another, right? So I can play well in a major, even if I have one round that sucks. You know, he said that at the PGA and ended up finishing top 10. You know, he played with Tiger at the old course, and so that was probably, like, emotionally overwhelming. So I give him a little bit of a pass there. But, like, now that he has that experience of, like, all right, I've been paired with, like, someone who is completely out of my league in terms of, like, accomplishments and talent. So if he gets paired with, like, Rory at the Masters, it won't seem that overwhelming anymore, right? Because he's already done that with Tiger. So you build those little blocks over time. That's how you get to be a great player is you build things on top of one another and you kind of learn from those past experiences. KBV, I think that's a an excellent point, great insight, and dovetails with something I was thinking. I'm I'm gonna channel like every youth sports coach I ever had. Uh, very cliche, but I do think there's truth to it. The the chip in on 18, I think, is a great example of as you start putting in the work and, and really putting in the hours and start believing. It's just amazing how you know. Anybody could look at that and be like, oh, that's, you know, it's kind of lucky he chipped in. But it, but, but those things build and, you know, you, this is where I'm, you know, channeling coaches. You, you create your own luck. And it, it reminded me so much of, you know, that Spieth bunker shot from the John Deere or mm. any of a number of moments where these, these really good players seemingly do something fluky or lucky. And it's, you know, it is to a certain extent, but it's also like, it's you're making your own luck it's it's a product of of the work and and the sweat equity and all of that so totally. i i i and I, a product of the success like yes. to have 
the success that you've had when you get in that situation, you can play offense. You can be like listening to the the what he said, like Joe and his conversations when they're in contention. He was saying like, uh, you know that that uh, they, Joe had said to him at the Wells Fargo, like, look around if you don't see the killer on the leaderboard, like you are the killer. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it was, but like that's how they talk to each other. Like he is carrying himself like he has to carry his balls in a wheelbarrow, and that he was he was 100% trying to make that chip. And when you've had as much success as he's had, you just stop fearing bad things happening to you, and you can play offense. You don't have to be. You can't be. Uh, you just won't naturally be unsure of yourself in that situation, and that it's not as devastating if it doesn't work out in that you know in your favor. And I think that frees you up to play some really freaking good golf and to to win. Like he's out there to win. He's not out there to just play good golf. He uh, when he has been in contention, he's won all of these. He, he has not had like a super close call, has he? What am I not thinking of one where he's missed by a shot or lost in a playoff? He wins when he gets close. Yeah. I, this hopefully he'll appreciate this as a, a Tiger devotee, but it, the actual chip reminded me of that famous Tiger thing when they were he and Duvall were playing together in the yes. New Zealand Cup, where it was like, okay, like Duvall put him in a tough spot, he had to make the chip or they were going to lose the match, and it was like he had to land it in the exact right spot and kind of like let it you know trickle into the hole, and he absolutely did it, and I was like, oh shit, like that that was some ballsy stuff. Like you, ha all right, you tell yourself, I have to make this chip. There is no other kind of option. And sometimes you do it. And so that was a, like, I definitely thought about that moment. I was like, God, that was kind of Tiger-esque, man. That's pretty cool. What a freaking wild finish for Willett though, too, man. He played so well today. The conditions yeah. were total shit. It was raining basically all day. He had 17 greens, hit an outrageous shot on 14 from behind a tree, hooked it around to a back left pin, and then hold the putt from the fringe for birdie. He did everything in his power to win that golf tournament. And he kind of he laughed when Max hold the chip, but I do wonder how much that would have actually rattled him. Like, there's no way you can be fully prepared to needing to make that putt. And uh, even though every, every golf memory you ever have would tell you, like, hey, you need to be prepared for him to hold this, it actually happens to you on the 72nd hole has to rattle you in some way and man he had four and a half feet coming back and I, I i honestly didn't think he'd miss the comebacker though that first putt looked difficult but i did not think he was going to miss the comebacker and what was he trying to do the the first one was was quick i was just trying to jam it jam it in kind of take like a take little break out, out of it, of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean i was gonna one thing i was gonna ask you guys like what 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 was the most unlikely event there was it the max chipping or will it three putting from you know just under four feet i yeah. i mean i almost think will it's three putt is is more unbelievable yeah i would have to say so it was a little bit of vibes of like chambers bay when it's like dj hits the green <laughs> and you think like oh he's gonna make his eagle putt mm -hmm. and win and then like two minutes later he's two three putted and it's like oh and speed is the winner like it was like <laughs> yeah. that kind of flip in the terms of like whoa but i, I want to like just give a little bit of love to danny willett who obviously like found his game from the being in the wilderness. Like we give Willett sort of grief because you know he was the guy who who snatched it from Spieth when he should have could have won his fifth straight Masters. Or, you know, uh, and he didn't even snatch it though. That's continue though. Yeah. He didn't snatch it. He played really well to get it, but Spieth blew that one. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. But Willett made an like he snatched it in the sense of like he made an unbelievable birdie on fourteen, which almost nobody birdies, and then like played really well coming in. And so I, I think. Smith, Willett has been an easy guy to sort of dislike just in the sort of like stupid way that we choose who to root for or not root for. But like it's it's kind of neat to see him like completely lose it and then find it again over time and sort of get back to a level where you're contending and almost winning PGA Tour 
tournaments because that's not like there's a lot of guys who just lose it and then just never come back well and it's also i i just never i guess it was an easy scapegoat after that like you said but it was very much a it was i never blamed him necessarily it just felt like man that was just not the result of who should have won that tournament and it it, it was kind of a slight to him i mean bogey free 67 in that final round i remember how well he played to win that championship but it just yeah it was it was an easy scapegoat but i always was like you know, almost just out of angst, you blamed him for it, but it was it was not Stuart Sink, Tom Watson level yeah. of like kind of snatching it from somebody. It was easy to def- to blame him and to deflect some of the blame for Spieth making a six on twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it a seven? It was a seven. Sorry, <laughs> editing the record. It was a seven. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he won. So he won 2016 Masters. He won 2018 DP World Tour Championship, 2019 BMW PGA, and then he won the Alfred Dunhill last year. Um, he's fallen to 149th in the world, though. It's I, I guess I expected him to be higher in the world um, when I looked that up today. But yeah, it's it's like I felt for him in that moment. That was the only thing he couldn't do on that putt. It, three feet seven inches. Honestly, though, what I did think about was Max's putt on 18 at Riviera, mm-hmm. and it was three feet, one inch, I yeah. think, of like a formality to win it. And I was like, man, we've seen this before where it's not a guarantee that this putt goes in. And uh, I was still just utterly flabbergasted. I thought it was going to delay our recording a lot, by a lot tonight. <laughs> I have to have to wait for that one. From a spectator perspective, it was nice. Um, those those were the stereotypical JV rules in effect. You know, you, you can win or lose, but by under no means you sh- do not tie, do not go to overtime. <laughs> Pretty good result for the PGA Tour, though. Like to have the one guy who's like an up and coming, you know, star. I mean, I, I, you could say maybe if Sahith had won it, like that would be a, a cool outcome too. But like, home is your most in that field, your most kind of recognizable fan favorite type person, and so. You know, he wins and going into the President's Cup his first time, like it's just even better for that scenario. So if if we're measuring constantly, like was this did we live win the week or did the PJ Tour live the win the week? Like this is a pretty good outcome for you know at least for the PJ Tour in this in this sense. That I don't I don't know if you could even say whether it, it makes it better than whatever happened in Chicago, but it, it was a good outcome for the PJ Tour that Max won. Good result, but bad. Bad showing from the tour on a Sunday. They're just not you, you. It's an outdoor sport. Okay, we know this, and we know that tee times have to move, and we know that there's contracts involved, right? But there's just got to be a way to watch your product live in the final round. Like it is a season opening event. It was a bad, bad showing in terms of not being able to. There's so many freaking NBC channels. We have to watch the Open Championship and the U.S. Open on USA for some reason. They've put golf on CNBC before. There's places to watch. NBC has how many channels? And NBC has the monopoly basically over uh, men's professional golf and women's professional golf. And there's no way to, nowhere to watch the PGA Tour live on television until it came on six in that six o'clock window. It just it. it showed again a flaw that we've been hammering them on for many 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 years and the the online streaming experience was horrible it was so bad there was like a glitch going on where they'd show one shot then go back into a coverage will resume soon blah 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 there's just no flow to it it's not a realistic option if they're going to point us towards streaming they got to figure out so much other shit uh with how to actually how that actually works because i mean uh, you know, obviously, we not not pridefully saying like it's pretty damn easy to flip on YouTube and watch live, and we know why that is. But it also showed how far behind they are on the streaming front. Why can't That's my uh, is, why can't golf explore moving to like a Premier League soccer model where it, the action is just always on, and then there's ads that kind of run like at the bottom of the screen or whatever. That or I, I don't know if that's how Formula One works because I don't watch it, but like 
it just feels like that should be the future of golf on TV where the ads are just kind of ever present, but they're not like breaking the action 60. I mean, maybe the kind of people who want to buy time for golf just aren't ready for that yet. Uh, and, but I would, if I were your PJ tour, I would point to like soccer, you know, which is a, a much, much bigger sport than golf and say like, look, this is how people consume it and they love it. And there's, there's, they don't, they don't find the, you know, the ads on the screen that are always kind of running intrusive. Like they just sort of accept it as part of the product. And I, I just feel like that would be a better option than, I mean, today was just really tough. And if honestly, if you were trying to, I mean, I bet we were of the 0.3% of people who were trying to flip back and forth between live and the PJ tour. Like the fact that live was just constantly running was like a benefit to them. Like I, I was like, okay, well, I'm less interested in the outcome of this because none of it means anything other than the money of it. But at least like the product is always like on, like I, at least I don't have to constantly refresh my computer and be like, Oh, why did this glitch up again? And say, well, coverage will resume shortly. It literally just did that one minute ago. So. Yeah. It, it, for now, that's how live is by the way. And it's, it's uh in the recruitment phase, we'll sure. see how long that really lasts. Well, it's an unfair course. comparison too, because like it's a, they're yeah. burning money in a, barrel of oil essentially but to say to heat their house you know it's, that's that's what it is and it that not as i mean it, maybe it is a sustainable thing but it's just not a fair comparison i i was i was a little surprised that they did not bump the lpga i i, I don't know what it went into that decision i feel like in the past i i feel like the pga would have would have gotten uh, preferential treatment on golf channel and then the LPGA goes online or, you know, just tape delay coverage. So as <laughs> I, I enjoy that, we'll talk about it later. It was, it was a good tournament in Portland, but yeah, that was, that was surprising. Solid to your point. It's like with all their other networks, just, just throw it on, you know, I'm sure USA is running like law and order all day today. It's not like they're running live programming on their, their that company Sunday, of, yeah. Of, of networks yeah cnbc there's there's not anything I'm, I'm sure it's like shark tank all day right it's very strange yeah. and i know it's not that easy like it, again it's the same issues we've been complaining about for many many years but man it's just it is super hard to do it's a terrible experience to try to watch it on your phone it really is and they've there's bet there's way better like netflix is not a terrible a, a experience to watch on my phone like they've mastered it. it the quality is incredible it streams incredible i can minimize the window i can do all kinds of things and it for it to be super 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 frustrating to watch is an inhibitor to people watching your product and that's not a good thing not a sustainable thing and the good news is i mean the the tv deal is up in seven seven years from now so we, we're right around the corner for them i'm sure figuring this out because they, they worked really hard in between these last two deals to really improve the i'll be champions tour eligible cool. when it gets uh, <laughs> <laughs> i might be too by that time they might have changed the champions tour age but, <laughs> just keep uh, dropping that some shout outs on taylor montgomery who was mr 26 twice last year finished 26 in the season long race on the corn ferry tour and 26 in the corn ferry finals was clipped by justin lauer to get the last spot Last year, he and his first, I believe his first PGA Tour start uh, as rookie here on the PGA Tour, uh, he shot 800 a day to finish solo third, cash a big check, ton of points. I wouldn't say he's not like secure, secure, done, secured his car for the next year, but what a week to go have at, go out and get a shitload of points and 
just got to get the ball in the hole a few times the rest of the year and you got your card uh, you know, locked up. So he's going to reshuffle in, hopefully, and get into a lot more tournaments. When I forget when the, when the reshuffle is. But enormous time of the year for a lot of these guys to play very, very good golf. And on that note, of course, shout out to T4 for Justin Lauer, our young hitter. Uh, tough final round in the final group, one over. A lot of variables, a lot of weather. He grinded it out for that T4. That's still a ton of points, ton of money, best finish of his career. And uh, we are, we're ecstatic for him. I'm sure he's a little disappointed today, but at the same time, uh, great, great week and a great start to the I season. I want to give Justin some love because when I wrote my infamous Justin Thomas, uh, Roy McIlroy column at, at uh, PGA, he hopped in my mentions and was like, this is so stupid, man. Like, this is terrible. And I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. And then, of course, you know, it played out how it did. And uh, I, I want to just say, like, hey, you know, Justin, I, I you were probably right. Uh, you know, maybe I should have thought that one through a little bit better. But, uh, you know, maybe a, a professional golfer would have a better perspective in that sense. So, though, KVV, it was a beautiful column you wrote. It was yeah, changing. Yes. It was fantastic. I have no regrets. Good. I have none. Well, anyway, just some love to Justin Lauer, who I, you know, who was brave enough to kind of chirp back at me. And, and uh, I, I never, we never carried it forward. He never, he didn't come back around and be like, yeah, what's up now? He just kind of let it be. And that was, you know, classy of him. So uh, very happy to see his success. Last thing I have is I, I it wasn't really on display today with the rain that came and balls spinning and 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 the the golf course was completely different. But Silver out Silverado, I got to give a shout out to how that course has been maintained over the last several years. It, I flipped it on on Saturday and it was so firm and fast. It was like immediate. You could immediately, as a viewer, have the instinct of like, oh, right rough front pin. He cannot stop a ball to that pin. Like he's in trouble here. Like that that, that kind of experience permeated through the TV, and it was so slippery around the greens. The 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 cups were cut really tight. The lip outs were really hard. That's where I was like, I was the I had a glimmer of hope that not want to say hope. I feel bad about that, but a glimmer of hope that Willett could three jacket because if he did hit the high lip, that ball was going to go pretty far past and. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like a really good, strong test of golf. I know it's not the prime time of the year to, uh, you know, for people to, to watch and be super entertained by it, but it does hold up. It's not a, uh, you know, a dark contest birdie fest. And uh, I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying it's that great of a design, but courses with that kind of conditioning are a lot more entertaining to watch than, uh, which is well documented on this sure. podcast, I think. And you get to go to the French Laundry, apparently, if you play there. So. <laughs> That seems like a pretty darn good uh, recruiting tool. Uh, I think we have some more golf to talk about before we do that. After three years, not two, but three years, fans are cheering for the return of the President's Cup and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour, is giving you even more cause for celebration. New customers can place any President's Cup bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets guaranteed. And if that was not enough excitement, they're also giving you a shot to play free for over a share for a share of over $1 million in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contest. Listen, I'm going to be watching the win margin bets very closely this week. The U.S. is obviously incredibly big favorites, but uh, I do think there is a chance that this is a, a beatdown for the ages, and I may be, may be looking to make a little some picks of some outrageous uh, uh, win margin totals. I don't know exactly what they're going to have up, but I can, I'm excited to see that tomorrow. So DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU, place a President's Cup bet of at least $5, and get $100 in free bets guaranteed. Promo code NLU at the DraftKings Sportsbook. An official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Moving on to Live Chicago. 
I think my thoughts on a lot of this stuff have been extremely well documented over the last several weeks, months, even years, if you will. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Randy. You've been kind of, uh, I guess, not sitting on the sidelines on this one, but I'm curious to hear exactly where you stand on this. Your interest level to this point has been extremely minimal. I had to force you to watch a shot, I think, when we were on Taurus Sauce by kind of like to trick you into it. Uh, I'm wondering where you stand on everything after five events. I have no interest. I have no interest. And that's that's purely a does it bring you utility or not statement. I take away everything and guys, I I'm watching LPJ, I'm flipping over, I'm hoping Max and Justin Lauer do well. I, I can't it's like having too many fantasy leagues. You're just gonna start ignoring one of your teams, right? It, it's the natural thing to do. And so I have to tell you, my, my bandwidth is full. I, I don't have room yeah. for another full golf league. And I don't want to like go to my computer and bring it up on YouTube. That's not like how I'm set up here at my apartment. So it just it's it's a complete non-factor to me. And and that's I, I just want to make sure I'm saying that's because of nothing to do with we can go in a million different directions about he said, and where they're getting their funding. This is purely, do I want to follow another golf league? And no, I don't. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Now, with that said, I was, you know, trying to check the leaderboard and make sure I at least knew who won coming into uh, to this week. But yeah, I, 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 I'm not doing it. I can't do it unless something changes. How about, how about you, KVV? Where, where do you fall out? Were you glued this weekend? Definitely not glued. Tried to just check in periodically because of I would like to have a general uh, knowledge of the world of golf. I just don't know really, you know, I was trying to think about uh, as in anticipation of coming on here, what is like something positive I could say about live? Like, I, I don't want to be like just the constant contrarian or whatever. And I do think so. Kepka gave some comment and we can get into Brooks in a, in a few minutes over his kind of just disappearance from the world of golf that matters but he said something in the press conference at the start of the week or whatever like they're they're treating caddies like human beings and i thought you know what that is a fair commentary of where if you're like someone who like has a close relationship with your caddy and they sort of matter to you as a more than an employee whatever like it is sort of i think a real thing that like they're picking up all the travel accommodations for caddies and that they're you know, paying for them sort of whatever their cut is, I guess, from so that the players don't have to pay out that or whatever. And there's no, I mean, I, I think some of that, the way that caddies have been treated in golf over years is a little bit tough. Uh, just in terms of like, you hear stories about like, oh, well, there's a lightning storm, but the caddies aren't allowed to come into the clubhouse because they're, you know, not considered, you know, official enough or whatever. And they, the caddies have, have to sleep three to a room in a red roof inn or whatever. Like, I could see, like, it is kind of a cool thing that Liv is, you know, obviously they have a ton of money, but, like, that they're doing that for the caddies. I, when I was in London, I covered the first event at Centurion, decided to write my story from the hotel where all the media was staying. And going on, like, into the night, like, the caddies were all there, and they were allowed to just basically, like, just rip and run everything from the bar. Like, they could just... It, all the drinks were free, all the food was free, whatever. And I'm, so I'm packing away into the night, and all this like chorus of like 15 caddies at like midnight in London is singing. Don't look back in anger by Oasis. Like and the whole hotel is like filled with this sort of, you know, chorus of thing. And I thought, you know, that's kind of cool. Like if you're a caddy, 
I could see that being sort of a cool thing. So I just want to start that off by saying, like, I, I, I do appreciate if, as we're sort of there, the way the caddies are being treated within the Live universe is probably a, a, a net positive thing. That said, like, I just don't care about the golf. I can't bring myself to feel anything about it, that any of it really matters. Like, I am bothered a lot by this idea that, like, whoa, you can't possibly keep these guys out of the world golf rankings when there's 48 of the best players in the world. Guess what? It is not 48 best players in the world. It's probably 10 or 12 or 15, but there is a lot of garbage that is playing in that sort of group of people. And so, like... God bless, like, Peter Uline. Like, I've been rooting for him for a lot of years because I do think, like, it must have been tough to – tough relatively, but, like, have people accept <laughs> these expectations that yours wouldn't be great. But that he's not a PGA Tour player. He's a 4A player. Like, he's a sort of a he's, – he's shown repeatedly over time that he's not good enough to play in the PGA Tour. So you're telling me that I'm supposed to get excited about Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson, who are among the best players in the world, beating Peter Uline? Why? Like, I wouldn't get excited about LeBron James, like, dunking on some college kid. I would be like, yeah, I would like to see them play against better competition. And so guys like Bryson and guys like Brooks and who are supposed to be great have just regressed. They're all kind of like, I thought they were supposed to go out and, like, kick ass and be dominant in this stuff. They're the best players in the world. And they're kind of not. It's just sort of showing that they're either not sharp enough to win these things. Like, of course Cam Smith is going to be good in this format because Cam Smith is really good and DJ's been really good for freaking 15 years but where's all the rest of it like Henrik Stenson is winning a live tournament and you're supposed to tell me that like that's a, a a credit to your league that's a detriment to your league that is not someone who is like a gr one of the best golfers in the world so like he was dialed in enough to win this tournament amongst these like collection of chuckle fucks like okay great like that doesn't really make me want to tune in as a viewer, as a fan of sport. It kind of dawned on me a little bit this week. My reaction, I flipped it on a little bit on Saturday and just saw Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson at the top of the leaderboard. And I got more upset than I have in previous iterations of this at, like, at the thought and the fact that those guys are not going to be competing against Rory and Scheffler anymore. Like they're competing against Peter Uline now. Like what a shame, what a waste of your talent and your ability to play golf to go and compete against, like you said, not the top players in the world. There are a lot of, I don't want to say a lot. There are some very, very, very good players. No one is doubting the ability of Cameron Smith. It just kind of sucks that he doesn't want to compete anymore against the best players in the world. Like that's what the decision is. Like the Chase Kepka finished ninth this week in a live golf yep, event. Okay? That's another one. Yeah. Chase Kepka's best ever season in strokes gain is minus 1.24 worldwide. Like he's not even, not even close to being PGA tour average. Not, not, not even want to say average. Not even close to being like eligible. There's what probably three, four, 500 players that are better than Chase Kepka, like in general. Maybe, and he finished ninth. So what does it mean that Cam Smith won this week and beat this field of a few good players, but like not, obviously no depth and, uh, you know, kind of top top heavy, but also there was only, what I, I got the number here, there was 21 top 100 players in the field, and, uh, and that's per data golf, right? I'm not using a world golf ranking because they're kind of falling off on world golf ranking, and data golf counts the results in live golf events. It just really pissed me off to think like 
the people that are really rooting for this thing, like there's no possible way that it makes sense to have these two guys with this much talent not competing against the best players in the world in the same competitions. It just, it makes no sense to me. And it, I don't know why it took that long for it to really click, uh, but maybe just, just there's been so much going on in the rocky waters and it's hard to see things settling that now it feels like it's settled. This is basically what the same field as what we had in the prior event. Uh, half as many people watching this one horrible golf course and just weird shit going on everywhere super loud music playing guys were heckling peter uline as he was about standing over his shot on 17 and bragging about the fact they made him uh they got him to back off the shot uh as he's hitting over the water there on 17 it was just like dude this is this not it i got it's not it and i can't understand the uh i guess i do understand the true contrarians that just want to watch the world burn that are really for rooting sure. for this but there's no possible way you can swear by this as being like a very good product as of now. And I want to talk about the future of it. But as it stands right now, if you can't see how like damaging this all is to the European tour this week and the PGA tour this week and uh, this thir this too many events, like it's it's not going to be good in the long term for golf. I really don't think so. Uh, yeah, as you're talking, I, KVV, we mentioned soccer earlier. I, it's, you know, I think back to like when Landon Donovan came back stateside from the Premier League, right? And yeah. U.S. soccer fans were giving him a ton of shit because it's like, that's the best league in the world. That's where you need to be playing. And, you know, he came back and he had reasons to come back. And just like guys have reasons to go to live and people can like live. Like I said, I, I just don't have space to follow a golf league like that. But, uh, you know, for, for our British friends or – for the people overseas, you know, take a guy like Harry Kane, the England national team captain right now, right? Great, great footballer. You know, what if what if my FC Cincinnati soccer team goes out and signs him this offseason? He's like, well, it's a lot of money. And, you know, there are some good players in the MLS. Like, I, I it could be up and coming. You know, it's it's another option for me to go play. I, they would they would be apoplectic, right? The, the whole thing is we want to create an environment where the best in the world are competing against each other as often as possible. Because as fans, that's that's I mean that's all you care about, right? That's that's why we watch sports. Uh, a large reason why we watch sports. So uh, it's yeah, it, it's just a point well taken on the bifurcation. I don't think is good right now. Uh, so I'm curious where you want to go about the future because KVV to your point about like treating caddies better like that's the type of stuff that the the pga tour should latch on to and they can self-correct and that's where golf you know the the pga tour specifically can get a lot better for for having this competition uh and i'm really curious if you know what will come of all of that one thing to that though like i, I try to always view this through i would consider myself an nfl fan i'm a fan of the nfl i don't follow it super super closely but like i flip it on on sundays and, and have it on and and whatnot it, the, what you said there about kind of praising how Liv has treated caddies is like my parallel to that would be like, that's like me finding out, you know, this rival football league treats the assistant coaches really well. And like they, they sleep more comfortably at night. Like that's definitely not why I watch football, right? It's, it's to be entertained by sure. the product. Yeah. Right. And so while like we are friends with a lot of caddies in, in the world of golf, like, do we want them to be treated better? Yes. Through that lens. Absolutely. But like as a golf fan, does it matter like how well the caddies get treated to the actual product? I would definitely argue not, right? So that's where they're really stretching thin a line of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, the 
entertainment value of golf, right? And they're really stretching it out and extracting the greed out of that to a product that already wasn't that entertaining and making it now less entertaining. And I'll go back to what I said in the very beginning of and a huge reason why I was against this in the beginning and still remain it. Like, it would be a different conversation if there was a chance of them getting everybody, right? If this truly was the future of golf and everyone was going to end up there competing in this format with teams, 48 guys, easier to keep track of, peak weeks, you know, I, I don't have a million events that I need to follow. Everyone's all in the golf course at the same time. And there's actual franchises we care about, trades, all that stuff. Over time, that would be more and more interesting, right? If you were able to get past the, the you know, the moral dilemma of the, of the situation and if, you know, if, there actual, if there's actual some runway for the league, that could be interesting. But we know, unless there's a huge change in what a lot of people have said, we know at best we are destined for this fractured golf world. That is where it's like, guys, see around the corner for this. Like, it, there's no, there's no situation where this ends up being the, the future of golf because they're not going to get all the top players. So, Which, I don't know. KBV, I know you really loved what Mickelson had to say. Speaking <laughs> of, you know, being fractured. So if you didn't catch it, you know, Phil's finally started to, to he's, he's crawled out from under his shell of, or he's become a bit less lobotomized of late and is starting to speak again to the media in a way that isn't, you know, completely bland. And he said, oh, this week, you know, that I, really PJ Tour and Liv need to work together. They, I, I think, they need, you know, despite being one of the people who's suing the PJ Tour and who basically like drew up you know, plans to try to sort of, you know, undermine the whole PGA tour. He's now saying we want to, and I, it struck me when I heard that as like, okay, can I read it? Yeah, just so we I react to the actual quote here for the, for the, for the listener's sake. He says the PGA tour for the last 20 or 30 years have had all the best players in the world. That will never be the case again. Live golf is here to stay. And this type of divisive talk is doing nobody good. The best solution is for us to come together. I think that the world of professional golf has a need for the old historical history of the game product and the PGA tour provides. And I think that live provides a really cool updated feel that is attracting a lot of younger crowd. And that's being proven in the people that are watching and the age of the people that are watching. I think both are needed for the game of golf. Both are good for the game of golf. The inclusion of live golf in the ecosystem of the golf world is necessary. As soon as that happens and we all start working together, this is, that's going to be a really positive thing for everyone. Great. Here's what I think to that. What incentive does the PGA Tour have to work with Liv? I get what the incentive is for Liv to get this because they are drowning in their own sort of hubris in thinking that all this stuff was just going to work out. They'd never be able to suspend them. The World Golf Ranking stuff would be able to... They all are sort of kind of, I don't want to say panicking, but they're definitely like concerned that it isn't gone as quite as smoothly as they wanted. Unless like... The PGA Tour, the, the, here's the incentive for the PGA Tour is that you'll stop sort of committing, like trying to steal our players, I guess, would be the only reason that the PGA Tour would sort of want to say, okay, like, but how is that going to benefit the PGA Tour in any way? I just feel like it's like a terrorist basically saying, oh, you know, we'll stop coming and attacking you if you kind of, you know, work with us or whatever. Like, that's not, that's not like a reasonable position. You don't have, you're not arguing from a position of strength. You're arguing from trying to like scare us into this. And so I don't really grasp like Greg Norman can write as many like Wall Street Journal op-eds as he wants that are, you know, obviously not written by him, but some, you know, sort of 
PR executive or whatever. And the Wall Street Journal can run them sort of ridiculously without even bothering to fact check. Like his the whole thing about the OWGR is dominated by the PGA Tour, which is just factually totally incorrect, but is like on par for the Wall Street Journal's editorial page to just run that. And so like, <laughs> I just don't understand like what, why would someone at the PGA Tour hear that and be like, you know what? They're right. We do need to work things out. I'd be like, you know what, man? Like, do your thing. Peace out. And if it works out for you and the OWGR stuff, like, then you're going to obviously be around. But if you're not, you know, then I don't know that it is. I don't know that Live is going to exist for another 20 years because guys are going to just go there and not be able to compete in majors. So I just, I, it struck me as like a move of like naked desperation to already go from being like, we're going to destroy you to being like, oh, actually, I think we need to work this out. Like, nah, man, like I, I'm good if I'm the PGA Tour. I, I wouldn't, don't, we figured this out. We've gotten ways to sort of pay our players more money. I just, there's not really, I, I really am curious as to what the incentive would be at this point. I think we are only beginning to understand the, that Liv is going to test and, and uh, you know, in, by in part, the uh, public investment fund of Saudi Arabia is going to test the limits of what they're yeah. able to buy. It is going, it's already started. It's been happening for months, this full on media purchase. I'm not saying that they're paying off, you know, the Wall Street Journal, the right hit pieces on Jay Monahan necessarily. That's not my point, but I'm saying they are going to buy any piece of media to try to sway public opinion on this, right? It is just a full, like the way that they cover their own events is very clearly from a propaganda Correct. standpoint of, you know, filming uh, the way they put media together and, and as far as filming the fans and creating this atmosphere and distracting I don't want to say distracting, but adding so many other things to this tournament, so many reasons to go. Like they have a Jason Derulo concert either tonight or Saturday night. That is in itself going to attract people to it. And then, but as a de facto way, they can also point to be like, look how many people we have at this tournament at the, on this one hole, right? It's all this huge, enormous PR push to sell that. Like every one of uh, the players' quotes, every one of Norman's quotes is just talking so much about this atmosphere. Every every interview talks about the atmosphere. I get, you know, I've gotten a lot of reports from listeners that have gone and been like, look, I mean, yeah, there was like one or two holes that were really bumping. There was a fair amount of people out there, but it's all kind of just one huge facade for how how lit all of live golf is. And that, I, I just think we're so far from ever seeing the end of that. Like, they're going to keep doing this. It's, it's very clear. Like, they're, they're trying everything they can from a PR perspective. Op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, that blew my freaking mind. Like, I just don't, I did not, I don't know the world of journalism like you did, like you do KVV, but that on top of uh, what was clearly a hit piece on Monaghan, which we, we can talk about in his private jet travel, was just like, oh, my God, we're so early in this, and it's not going to be fun. It's really not going to be fun. I, you know, there is, from a very journalistic standpoint, there is, I think, an interesting thing to talk about. Like, should a quote-unquote nonprofit be letting a its CEO, president, whatever, have free use of a private jet? That sort of, but like, the board can sort of easily at the nonprofit kind of say to Jay, like, "Hey, you shouldn't be spending this money or whatever." Like, there there are ways that if the players were sort of upset about this, there are certainly ways for Jay to have that privilege stripped from him or to lose his job if his, they're unhappy with his performance. Like this idea of like contrasting it with, oh, well, the PGA Tour says it lives all about money, but actually the PGA Tour is all about money. Like it just seemed like a total non sequitur to me. And I, I just don't quite, yeah, it was funny to kind of read in the end of like the thing that he went to Kepka's wedding and then Kepka had probably already signed with Liv or like a week later was like, gone like that was sort of some laughs in that but i it didn't strike me as a particularly like 
attempt to see the the broader picture fairly, right? It just sort of seemed like, yo, we got some, uh, you know, whether it was from, a, I don't know, it was a FOIA request or we got someone to leak us some some information and we're, we totally think this is a way to kind of like put a little dig, get a little knife into this. Like, I, I don't know, like is the Wall Street Journal writing about like how much the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia has like cleared out entire like tribes of people to sort of build you know, their cities in Neom or to build some of these golf courses where they're starting to build them? Are they, is the Wall Street Journal written recently about, you know, the, the, the massive uh, punishment that the, the kingdom is going after, you know, critics on Twitter or whatever, that they're kidnapping people here and there? Like, I, I, there's some larger kind of context that I think if you wrote about all of that, like here, the messy world of golf, I think that would make a lot more sense to me. But I just to sort of be like, oh, let's just needle jay monahan a little bit struck me as like wow that that's kind of i don't didn't know where that came from i guess and and i don't say this like i say this as if someone who like man foia requests or like inside information like all that stuff is good because it's better to have more information but there's just it just seemed kind of like weirdly not framed in a way that was like you know i think fair to be honest to the tour and i'm not saying this is any kind of like you know rider for the tour i just it just doesn't, that doesn't have anything. Jay Monahan's <laughs> private jet use really doesn't have a lot to do with Live Golf being able to pay Brooks Kepka $100 million, does it? That's where I, I think it is. Is it a horrible optic? Yes, in this in this vein that you know that Jay Monahan is using the private jet with approval from the from the board uh, for personal travel. Is that like a bad optic? Yes, but also, hey, is the PGA Tour big business or is it not? Right, because big business has efficiencies in private jet travel. CEOs are expected to be places at a moment's notice. They're expected, like, Jay is on the road so much. What, the article said he flew back and forth between Ponte Vedra and Augusta four times during that week. Like, that is the life of a commissioner, especially one spread out with so many global sponsors. You need to be at the drop of a hat wherever you need to be. You can do two things in one day when you have private jet travel. That's just the reality of big business. That That's not unique to the PGA Tour. And it is such a... It's a great headline. It's perfect. Like all the private jet stuff everywhere on Twitter and social media does fantastic. Corporate spending, throw in that bucket, that's going to get people riled up, right? It's no one there's no there's not much sympathy for any of those things amongst, you know, the general public. That's where it was just like, man, what what no at no point in this article are you tying in why this is so relevant to the current world of golf. Like it, can the PJ Tour not pay its players because they're spending too much money on Jay's tr private jet travel? No. The like the the tour's 2019 expenses on travel alone and their filing were like $21 million. That sounds like a ton of money to any one individual listening to this and myself alone, but that's big business. That's a drop in the bucket. So what if Jay is saving a little bit of money, you know, here and there flying commercial? I don't even know what the other alternative is that maybe you save a million dollars. I know that again, that sounds like a lot if of money, you, but it's just you not tell me that like Jay Monahan being like flying Southwest, like an A-list Southwest person is going to keep John Rom from going to live. I would love to hear that argument because I don't think it holds up. I'm not sure that anyone could actually credibly make that. Well, and it's also, if the, the headline is different than like what the crux of the argument was basically, basically that their tax filings just don't disclose that he uses the jet for, uh, for personal, you know, whatever trips, whatever it would be to Montana or whatever it would be, which is just, I think a totally different thing than like, Hey, they're spending way too much money doing this. Like, should he be reimbursing the tour for personal travel? 
maybe, probably, I don't know necessarily how all nonprofits work. Does it sound horrible? Yes. Like, is it unnecessary attention at a time like this? Yes, it's probably not great. But as long as it, the perspective on how much of a drop in the bucket this is, uh, I think is important to this. Randy, am I off on any of this? Do you see any, any issues? No, with any no, of this? no, no. I, I, don't, I don't see any, any issues. Uh, it's great red meat, as you said. I, I think um, the only thing I'll add is, is KVV, I, I was struck by the same thought you were about, I, I, I think the perception, and it, it's a fair one, right, that Liv has gained a lot of momentum over these however many months. They've obviously poached a number of players. They, you know, they have a schedule. But then it's like, okay, well, what's next, right? And we read the headlines that they're searching for uh, a TV deal for next year, which, by the way, I can't believe Bezos and Amazon, uh, you know, passed on that. Um, <laughs> but it's like Bezos, the guy who know, had his phone hacked allegedly by the Saudis, right, didn't want right, to get right. broadcast their golf tournament. Now, will might they end up on like a you know Fox Sports FS1 type thing? Yeah, maybe. Right. And and when I look at a tournament like this in Chicago. You know, I think people had a great time. I saw pictures of folks tailgating. I'm sure people loved and going to the concert. To, to me, what's what's really interesting, and I think the same problem exists with the PGA Tour, is, okay, how do we convert these people into actual fans of the game of golf, right? Because at the end of the day, I think that's what is important over a long horizon, right? Um, I, it's, if, you know, I'm, I'm picturing, okay, we're, we're the fourth or the fifth year back at Rich Harvest Farms, you know, are, are we just running the same playbook? Is it the same 48 guys and Mickelson's now maybe he's still playing, he's retired, DJ isn't playing that well. He's in his mid forties, you know, the, to me, the whole crux still remains on, you know, the only way I see live really being successful in the long run is they're going to have to keep snatching the best talent in the world. Um, that we'll see. That that's going to play out over a number of years. But just from like a, I, I don't know, momentum standpoint. Yeah, it's it's great, and they've gotten it up and running, and there's they're doing some some good things uh, from all reports. But man, I don't see one year from now, two years from now, they they still have a lot of work to do uh, to to really build a foundation here and I guess I remain a little skeptical about that um, and, and I do think at the end of the day you know if, if you're not making people f fans of golf right then what are you doing you're just kind of throwing parties in different cities uh, you know however many weeks a year and yeah you can do that for a while but man I think that's going to get stale after after a, a number of seasons as well. It's like golf is the Trojan horse here, right? And like th that, your perspective on that is exactly why I don't, I don't think we're going to enjoy this, right? But yet, that's why we keep emphasizing what the purpose of this league is. Again, for sports washing purposes, this huge party that they're throwing is the goal. It is not for the betterment of the game of golf. They are hijacking the game of golf to serve their purpose, 
which is to make it more normalized for Western businesses to want to do business in Saudi Arabia as they try to diversify from fossil fuels. Like that is the name of the game, right? So if golf goes to, goes to get, you know, if professional golf gets spoiled along the way and they spend billions of dollars doing it, they're fine to do that. They don't care about this, but some people that, you know, myself, I would include in this that care a little bit about the future of golf and the future of professional golf, don't lo necessarily love it when it gets hijacked for these purposes, right? And it, again, the exchange rate here is not like you giving me a super entertaining golf product. Like the, it would be a different conversation if you were, but I know that's not really your goal, no matter how many times you say it and how many times you trick the players who are getting paid handsomely to say it. In saying it, that does not mean it is effective on a viewer as my, I can only speak for myself. Again, if you have a different, as a listener, if you have a different experience, please, you know, continue to enjoy it. But that is definitely and, my and I think. Yeah, no, real quick to, you know, I was <laughs> said a lot of words, but I guess my point is KVV to, you know, we heard Mickelson's quote is like, I think live their, their, their most natural um, function are as, you know, these quasi exhibitions bolted on to what would be a competitive PGA tour schedule. And so from that standpoint, it's like, I, I think, I, I agree with you, KVV, in that I, I think the impetus is almost weirdly shifting to live to where it's like, yeah, you guys might want to really try to work with the PGA Tour because I think it allows both organizations to really find a good equilibrium. But I, to your to your point as well earlier, I don't I don't know why the PGA Tour would ever want to play ball at this point um, unless things materially change, which they can over the next, you know, however many months or couple of years. Greg Norman specifically said this week, we have no interest in sitting down with them, to be honest, because our product is working. But that, to, to that point, like, it's, yeah, it may be too far past. Like, Kevin, what There's a couple say? things like, you know, uh, again, like, why, why would the PGA Tour want to work with it? Especially so much is sort of devoted to, like, the sort of basically trolling of the PGA Tour. Like, we're going we're gonna to overrun you, we're going to kill yes. you, blah, blah, blah. Like this, you know, this, and it goes, it's not just at the highest level, it's now trickled down to, like, these knuckleheads that they're inviting to the live press conferences to ask these questions. And so there's like some, you know, person says to Cam Smith, how many of Rory's tears would have fit in the, uh, you know, the, the claret jug this week or whatever. And they, and Wolf and Phil kind of laugh and, you know, like that person, that's look, I understand that like media can seem sort of haughty and out of touch sometimes. And certainly like I've worked my whole life in it, but like, that kind of stuff or like asking, which was the last week, someone said to Harold Varner, like, you know, did you feel like in the PGA Tour you were in the sunken place or whatever, the sort of reference to get out? Like, fuck that shit, man. Like, how is any of that benefiting anyone? Like, it's just, it's a, such a trolling exercise and it's why it's all, I keep joking, like, it's the Let's Go Brandon Tour. Like, so much of it is based on just like owning somebody, man. Like, we're going to stick it to you so hard. And I, I kind of wish that OWGR would say, Hey, you know what? We're going to call your bluff here. If you guys want to look, here's the rules and the standards. So we're going to put out a statement that says, if you guys uh, play 72 holes and you have a feeder tour and you have ways for sort of people to lose their cards up, then we're happy to give you world ranking points. We, that's been the standard for everyone else. We're not going to change that just based on some new startup tour. But these, we would love to, to award you with a world golf ranking points. Here's the standards. Once you're in compliance for a year, we'll be happy to sort of have that conversation. And I think that would sort of like shift the impetus back to live to be like, all right, are you, you know, what do you really care about in this sense? Is it really 54 holes of golf? No, I don't think they're really married to that other than it's their dumb name. Like, I, I think that 
you know, they should sort of say that. And then we could sort of stop having this conversation about like whether they need to work together or not, because like then the impetus would be on live. Like, Hey man, like these have always been the standard from however long the world golf rankings have, or tell them, you know what, you're welcome to walk through sectionals in us at the U S open. Like there's, they act like there's no way for them to get into majors. I don't know. Like if you still have your PGA tour of America card, maybe go enter the PGA tour professionals thing and try to get in like Omari Resti did. Like there are ways for you to get into majors. This idea that you've been shut out is actually not accurate. Maybe it's true. The masters, but the masters could also invite you. They can invite whoever they want. You just still want to have the cushy, like, Oh, we're allowed to get in automatically based on where the top 50 players in the world. Well, you're no longer playing those kind of tournaments that would sort of qualify into those things. And if you want to change that format, Great. We'll be happy to sort of agree with that. I don't think that if they play the same kind of format that they should be shut out. I think that would be unfair, but they're not doing that. And, and two, just with, you know, if, if you're going to take glee and, and ribbing the tour whenever possible, which, listen, that's that's fine. I, I really I don't care about that. But when I read people like Lou Eustacen and Cam Smith, oh, I'm so disappointed I can't play in the President's Cup. You know, I I. I that's such a i'm like yo shut up shut up like <laughs> you you do not you do not get to play the victim there like you know you, you got to pick one side or the other would you guys be okay with like guys like Poulter or Westwood being Ryder Cup captains in the future i kind of was thinking about this today i think i would be okay with that like they're not players they don't there's no sort of qualifications like i i think i would you know the, all they we're longtime supporters of the European tour. Uh, you know, I, I think I would sort of come to that kind of like agreement of like, Hey, if you, these, these I, I don't want to have the Ryder cup play out over the next 10, 15 years and have Ian Poulter never get to be a captain. Like I, I maybe that's selfish of me because of just something I, I want, but I think I would be more okay with that than playing in the, uh, the event. I thought about this. It's weird. And I, I don't have a ton worked up in, um, uh... I don't, have, I don't think I, I don't have a strong leg to stand on to say that live players should not be involved in the Ryder Cup other than the European tour is the European team, right? It is, you know, similar to the President's Cup, which is a PGA Tour event. Like it is a directly correlated uh, with the Ryder Cup, right? Whereas the PGA of America obviously runs from the U.S. side, uh, the, the Ryder Cup. So what, what honestly, my question for the U.S. side would be like, why, you know, what standing would the you know, the PGA of America to have to say that these guys cannot participate in the Ryder cup. I think it's a lot more complicated on the European side, but they've been able to sue their way into European tour events to this point. Does that change anything for them? I honestly don't know if there's really any or that many players on the European side that they would want on the team. Uh, and Rory referenced it as, as such, but that one is still a little shaky to me. And I think, you know, we, we had this conversation three months ago or so to say like, Hey, if you decided now would live players would be in, would they be involved in at Marco Simone? I said, yes, at the time. And I, I'm not as confident that they will be, but it still seems like with a year's run time that there's a chance that these guys could be involved uh, with that event about a year from now. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer to that, but it just seems like that's a possibility more so than it is like them getting OWGR points, which I do not think is a possibility. I would not be offended if that's so. how Team Europe, you know, if they want to pick a guy like Poulter to be their captain, God bless them. You know, it's end of the day, I, I look at the Ryder Cup like an exhibition and the beauty of a good exhibition or a good sporting event is like give the two squads autonomy to operate how they want to operate. And if, if, you know, if Europe wants to bring in some live guys to, to be on the squad, God bless you.
I got one more thing to say on the Westwood front. He had a tweet on Monday that that really it, it stuck in me a little bit. There's a, a a post, a blog post written by Alistair Tate, uh, who I believe has worked in golf media for quite some time. He mentioned that 75 times, I think, in the article, and it basically is making the point of like the the European Tour messed this up greatly. Like, what what are we doing here with what happened to the BMW PGA and you know some guys not feeling welcome and blah 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 and all the hostility. And Lee quotes re retweets it saying, "Excellent, Alistair, a piece based on the facts." makes a change from the emotional biased rubbish certain people are currently spouting. It's like, dude, your your words are purchased here. That is the literal definition of the bias here. You are the one being paid in all of this. So you do not get to determine who is biased in these situations, right? And calling the idea that all of us in the media that are critical of this thing are the biased ones and he who is getting paid by this league is not the biased one frustrates me to no end. It's like the idea that I, I deep down would love live if I could get past my bias and un, undying love for the PGA tour and the ecosystem of professional golf frustrates me to no end. It is very much an objective way of, I'm objectively aware of what I like and am rooting for. There's a difference between that and bias. I do not have nearly the financial interest. Indirectly, do I have a financial interest in the current ecosystem of golf? Sure, we do, like we do, but you know how much easier it would have been to sell out to live and take the money that way? Like you have done, Lee? Like, do you see what the issue is in this and why it is super frustrating, all this stuff about the divisive talk and pretending like it's coming from somewhere other than yourselves? That shit is really starting to wear on me this far into and it. And so many. Yeah, it's just, it's super important to remember, I think. And there's, there was a really good story in the Times today about how the, you know, the internet Russian agency of bots like functions and sort of creates divisiveness and stuff. And you're, you're totally naive if you don't think that that has happened here through the same kind of tactics with, with Saudi Arabia. Like they're just, they're flooding, you know, social media all the time with that kind of stuff basically being like, Oh, all these critics are biased or all sellouts. They're, you know, they're, they're the losers who don't get it. Like so much of that is fake like engagement. And I think it's just important to remember that. I, I need to remember it too. When I'm like, it's proven that it works, right? It's, it's proven that it can mess with elections and mess with social issues or whatever. Like, I, I think that's the kind of, you know, shout out to Randy's, Randy's guy, Mark Zuckerberg. Like we were mm. just sort of, uh, and Cheryl, let's not leave Cheryl. And Cheryl, out of and it. let's not leave. Yeah, we're just sort of understanding about how much disinformation and and nonsense can people posing as real people when they're just literally like you know paid people in Riyadh or whatever in a in a giant like cafe or whatever kind of pecking out stuff all the time to kind of throw garbage into the discourse. Like there's so much of that, and you know Russia's been doing it for a long time, and Saudi Arabia was like got in on it was like yeah that's great and so be careful out there when you're arguing with bots because they're often just not real people what what a what a world that golf finds itself in right like yeah. like sleepy old golf that that's what i like bottom line for me is just man this is all very very strange and yeah. dumb and fascinating and i, I just I, yeah, I'm like, every time I think, okay, they're clear-cut sides, but then you think about another aspect, and it's like, none of it really makes sense at all to me. It just, it would have made me laugh so hard to think about, like, 
the PGA Tour being framed as like some woke liberal losers. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, wait, did I wake up and am I taking crazy pills? Like, what is going on? I also just want to say, like, as driving back to the thing, if the Wall Street Journal is suddenly going to be looking into CEOs like manipulation of the tax code, I'm all for that. <laughs> right. I don't think that that's a beat that they're actually looking to pick up. But if it is, hey, let's do it. It's yeah. I'm just like, oh, my God, what is going on? I, I still think we have some more live to talk, but I, I do got to tell a quick story. I was in a hotel in D.C. this week. Uh, I was, of course, of course, wearing a Roback hoodie when I walked in. Saw somebody else wearing a Roback hoodie in this hotel in D.C. He came out to me and was like, hey, I'm wearing this because of you. The Roback effect is extremely real. Their performance polos, they fit so much better than your typical boxy polos. And their performance Q-zips are a game changer. They're soft. They are perfect for fall. Fall is here, guys. It is officially Roback SEN, if I may say. Perfect for fall mornings and fall evenings. They're so versatile. You can wear them on the golf course. You can wear them off the golf courses. And I don't need to tell you about the hoodies because Randy and I, right now, you can't see this right now. We're wearing the same matching hoodie, right? We didn't even want to change. We didn't even care to change. We're in the same blue hoodie, which I think you could find in our store at one point this week. Oh, yeah, hopefully a re-up coming. But my sources tell me. There's going to be yes. more to come. But if you cannot wait to get some Roback, uh, you can go to Roback.com, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com, and you can get 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and t with code NLU. Again, roback.com, code NLU for 20% off your first order. R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com, code NLU. You, sorry, real quick on Roback. You guys know I'm one of the preeminent dog lovers in this world, but I had no idea until very recently that Roback is short for Rhodesian Ridgeback, which is a type of dog. Like I, I get that there's the dog logo. I just never knew. You know, I thought they, that was just something they wanted to go with. I had no idea where the name came from, so I, I feel like my eyes are now open. Randy, how do you feel you about know. the Queen's dogs? Not to go all trap jaw on you, but the Queen's dogs being uh, picked up oh. you know, by Prince Andrew. That's, you know, seems like she, there was all this worry that the corgis were, because the Queen didn't want the corgis to outlive her, which was kind of like, you know, bullshitted a little bit. It wasn't like we're going to murder the corgis, but, you know, it, it looks like now that Prince Andrew will take care of them. <laughs> oh. Well, All right. If we're yeah, on Prince Andrew and the tell Queen, those corgis to maybe watch out. Different... <laughs> Stop. Avoid these controversial topics. Let's get back to Saudi Arabia okay. and live golf. Okay. <laughs> Viewership down this week, big time. Uh, I don't have the official metrics from when I. There was about thirty between thirty and sixty k viewers on YouTube Friday and Saturday. I think it peaked around ninety five k on Sunday, which is about fifty you know fifty percent of what it was uh, when they had the weekend to themselves, a Labor Day weekend in Boston going up against other golf and going up against NFL. Um, and then next up is Bangkok, October 7th through 9th, and then Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. They're going to Saudi Arabia, October 14th through 16th. And then it's time uh, to come back to Trump Doral for the finale. But uh, like I said, when, when Boston happened, that was their chance to own a weekend. When they didn't own this weekend, it definitely did not do nearly as well. Um, and that's where I – the TV stuff, man, I, I don't know how it's all going to play out. I think, you know, it was noted and reported this week, Apple TV and Amazon are out, yet Greg Norman is saying there's as many as four uh, networks interested in broadcasting. And I truly can't name it. Fox is what people seem to be pointing towards. I can't name another one. Somebody mentioned Fubo TV. Uh, I, 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 we have a show, I think, that is somehow on there, sometimes on there, and I still don't know what that is. Uh, I don't know if that would be a win for Liv. I don't know what their strategy is going to be. I don't know... I know live sports are extremely valuable, and but Fox Sports did not want to broadcast the biggest one of the biggest championships in golf. Uh, you know what is their incentive going to be to want to get back into golf? I, I don't have an answer to that, but um, it seems like Norman. It, 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 
it is, of course, coming from Norman's mouth that there are a lot of people interested in this because the product is working so well. And man, the numbers on YouTube do not spell what, like, that out just at to work all. For context, and I look, God bless. I like, I love the WNBA. Like, I've been watching a little bit more of it. The WNBA games will get like five hundred thousand viewers on ESPN, and that's like a you know a, a pretty like a high level rank. But that like we're talking about a fifth of that, right? And so obviously it's different things. Like some people just have TV on to in the background or whatever, but like, uh, I don't really quite think that there's this huge driving audience out there. That's like dying to see live golf. Is there, I'm especially like on a Sunday, what, what kind of person was tuning in on an NFL Sunday today to see this? I, I, I would be kind of really fascinated to hear like what, you know, are you, are you so into Cam Smith that you're like, yeah, I definitely want to see this. I mean, there was, I saw like Shipnack was saying, oh, it's so much easier for people in their home countries to see them play or whatever. Maybe that, okay, maybe the international audience is, uh, is something that they're kind of interested in and appealing to that like they're not going to show Honor Bond, you know, that often on the PGA Tour broadcast. And so it's great for, you know, people in India to watch him. But I just don't know that there's a lot of domestic growth here. Like it's, the world is pretty saturated with professional sports, especially in the fall. So you, I think you're going to have to figure out some way. And what's it going to be like when they're in Thailand and, and Jeddah? Like, who's getting up in the middle of the night to watch this stuff? Do you know what I was going to say? You know who hasn't had good TV ratings outside of Tiger? Is the PJ Tour when all these dudes were playing in one place. Like, So, yeah, when you fracture it, I, how's, how's one – you know, how are they each going to have similar to what they were before, let alone, you know, how's – one or the other really going to grow and explode. That's, I, you know. And let's not move past, like, hey, that same question for, you know, who's watching this, you know, versus the NFL. Like, that question stands for the PGA Tour as well, both for myself and golf fans in general. Like, it, it, I am not going to sit here and try to pretend the Fortinet goes up against an, an NFL slate, even for myself, who is a hard, hardcore uh, golf fan. But, you know, look, we had a great kind of finish to that tournament today, but it – this is the time of the year where it's very optional to tune into golf, right? I don't think people are craving two different golf tournaments going on at once. It was like that that one week when they used to have the WGC where they'd have China and another event uh, in the same week, the opposite field event. And it was like, no one is asking for two events at, at this time of the year. All right, we need a break from all this. And uh, here we are back in the same situation with with multiple events. I just looked it up and the, the lowest rated show on uh, TV this year was something called like Welcome to Flatch on Fox and it got a 0.2 rating. Uh, does that mean that is that if you're looking at that as an executive, like I, maybe if there was 500,000 people watching this on YouTube, I could see like the TV network being like, Oh yeah, let's do this. Like I, there's a untapped audience right there. but like, man, like 90,000 or you know, 50,000 people that, that is so honestly, if you put, you could replay any football game ever played. I don't care what it is ever played and it would get better than a 0.2 rating on uh, you know on espn so I, I guess i don't quite grasp like what the incentive would be to put it on to tie a bow kind of on uh, at least the final thought i had was i had heard an outrageous story this week from a, a twitter dm that said uh they he was riding in a car with a, with a friend and that friend got a phone call from a massachusetts number uh gauging his interest in attending either live chicago or the live event in miami they're literal telemarketer calls uh, directly calling people about coming out to uh, live events. 
which is I had not heard that until this week. And I've only heard that one story. It very well could be false, but it was very specific details. And I was like, oh my God, that's, that was kind of going in my, what I was saying earlier about the links that they're going to go to try to buy this thing into it and will it into existence. We've not come close to seeing the edges of that. So Rich Harvest Farms also, we are who we thought they were. Um, that that was pretty much it, even more dull, not even outrageously bad, uh, you know, television to watch. It's kind of dull to watch in general. I thought it was going to be way worse, but just... If Liv could start playing like events at like Cypress Point or Pine Valley, I'd be all in, man. I'll, or not all in, but I'd be like, oh, I'll watch this. I'm gonna, this would be like, oh, why world of golf? But like, I... Yes. They're not going to good venues. And listen, we are plenty hard on PGA Tour venues as well. It's not like the tour goes to only great venues, but that was one way they could differentiate themselves. But again, the golf, not really the goal. Back to circling way back to what I said about the future and how uh, I, I do think like if I can go in the positive column for live year one of building, you know, flying the plane while also building it by any measurement of from their perspective has to be considered a, a success with the momentum they've gained. I wouldn't necessarily say the people watching it, but these tournaments getting off the ground and being played without a hitch, uh, you know, of, of any kind to this point and getting the players they have pretty darn good overall, getting some of the results they've wanted. Like I'm sure they couldn't have asked for a whole lot more. And I still do believe in this team concept of golf and this whole idea of, you know, franchises, guys getting cut, traded, relegation, building on itself year over year over year, instead of like these teams just changing week after week after week. It gives me nothing currently, but like, do I think over time that that could be a lot more interesting? I do. I still believe in that part of it. There's still, I don't think the shotgun started super appealing to me, but I still do think like, it's just important to note any dancing on the grave is, uh, is still premature because they are, they've, they've shown an ability to be agile, to solve relatively, you know, decent sized problems rather quickly and just change how they're doing things. And that's something maybe the biggest flaw in the PGA tour is they just, the answer is no to everything, any possible change anybody would want. And to that, I say like, there is, there is a strong possibility that this thing is going to improve and become more interesting. I don't think, uh, I don't, that doesn't change any of my previous statements of like, I can see around the corner that it's not going to still be what I want, but it's still a far ways away from. So the one moment today in watching the broadcast when I was like, Whoa, that'd be kind of cool is when they talked about if there was a tie between the teams that they were going to send the top two, the captains had to pick out the top two performers and they were going to go play like a, yeah. was it like low and it wasn't low in total. It was like uh, overall like score or whatever, sudden death. And they were like, oh, and if three teams tie, we could send as many as eight guys out on the way. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of chaotic and cool. Like I, if live golf was that <laughs> all the time, I would be like, oh yeah, sick. Eight people playing all at once. That was about the only time where I was like, oh, I'm riveted by this idea. And then, of course, it didn't happen because Peter Uline made a bogey and Chase Kepka made it, whatever. So, Also, how do we go this long and not mention Bryson almost getting his head cut off today? Uh, they can't. They cannot oh stop God. cutting off people's heads. They cannot do it. They can't stop referring to it. If you didn't see this, like he, Bryson at some point like hit a ball outside the ropes, big surprise, and tried to go duck under the ropes. And basically, like, caught the rope, like, dead in the eye. And then, like, acted like he'd been assassinated by a sniper from, like, far. It was objectively hilarious. I mean, I felt bad, you know, for a half second. But was, he seemed fine, so it became funny again. Because it was truly, like, I, I, I was texting our group. I was like, what happened? I, did he just have, a, like, a brain aneurysm? Because I saw him, like, lying on the ground, like putting his hand to his face and i was like oh my god is bryson okay did he get hit by a flying ball no he got his beheaded by a rope which honestly reminded me of when i was in high school 
and the cops came to a party and broke it up once and we had to like run from the party and we were like jumping and running through yards and I caught a clothesline like right in the face. (laughs) It was a nice throwback to that high school moment of trying to evade the cops. I literally, when it happened, I was like, ooh, I I didn't listen to the sound yet. Um, And I was like, ah, gosh, is is a joke here about his head getting cut off here? Is that appropriate? And then I listened to the sound and the announcer literally goes, off with his head! And I was like, oh, but they cannot resist it. They cannot help themselves from doing it. It's it's just, it's amazing. Not a lot of self-awareness among that uh, announcing crew. I got, I think that's pretty much all I've got um, on the live front. It's... I don't, I don't, that's a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm not apologizing for anything we left, but left behind. First time Phil broke uh, 70, you know, he, had, he was like 36 over par or something prior to, you know, today's round. And then he shot like made five birdies or something today. So it clearly like been reinvigorated and dialed in by the live golf as Phil. On the DP World Tour, big shot Bob McIntyre gets his uh, first big win at Marco Simone, beating Matt Fitzpatrick in a playoff. Uh, Rory with his, about his C game was also in the hunt there at the end. Did you guys catch much of uh, much of Marco Simone? I'm planning to catch up on the highlights. I was traveling during a lot of it and was kind of having the bad online streaming experience of it. But uh, any reaction to the golf course at all? Did it pick up anything from that? Uh, it seemed fine. It looked like they had sort of buried the power lines, which was uh, an important uh, thing, I think. Uh, I mean, I didn't watch a ton of it. I did watch I did watch ton of it, honestly, because I wanted to see uh, a little bit of it for Ryder Cup purposes and um, watch a little bit with my daughter. She was trying to explain to me why Rory made a bad decision going for the green on, uh, you know, and hit it way in the hay or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. I didn't get to watch the ending, but I, I like Bob McIntyre. I think it's like, a, I, I do love like new faces emerging uh, who could be Ryder Cup people. And, and uh, Bob is definitely one of those. And I honestly, ever since Matt Fitzpatrick like won the US Open, I, I was like a non-believer in in Matty Fitz for a long time, and I, I've really kind of he's grown on me a lot, and so I kind of like watching him play golf uh, now. Just sort of he's he's earned that extra level of like respect and love. Uh, so I, it was fun to watch a little bit of that uh, down the stretch. I don't know. I mean, it how is it going to play as a Ryder Cup venue? Like, it, it didn't strike me as like there wasn't any holes where I was like, oh, that's amazing. But there's you know like put a bunch of grandstands up and make it you know hopefully like you know, fly in some English fans to make it a little more rowdy. I don't know that the Italians are going to get bonkers for it, but hopefully, maybe. So I think I didn't want to draw too many conclusions from it because from everyone I've spoken to, they're going to, they're going to, you know, do some manipulation to it, which is every much, every, every bit in their right. And it's just going to be a little different than, uh, than, than how it plays for, for this golf tournament, but the strong effort from the Europeans to, you know, show up and play the event and uh, to get some tournament experience on that golf course, which has worked well for them in, in prior European Ryder cups. And there were no American players that went and did it. And I, I don't blame them for it. Again, I think it's gonna be a very different golf course a year from now anyways, but um, yeah, that was, that was noteworthy in that regard. I'll definitely be, I'll, I'll be, I'll be picking in on the highlights. They do European tour does a great job of, uh, of kind of accumulating those and, uh, be, be checking in on that as I go to survey my super important opinions on, uh, on captain's picks and things of that regard. So, uh, you're getting, all right. I thought we were going to get the final, final one where he wasn't going to make it in, but he made it. Here he is. He's plugging in uh, headphones as we speak. Max Homa, champ. What's up, kid? Hey, guys. <laughs> Maxwell. <laughs> KVV, what the hell? What's up, sir? How are you? Good morning, Damon. <laughs> Good morning, Damon. Did your direct deposit hit yet? <laughs> it has not, man. 
I'm so glad you're not broke like Henrik Stinson. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. We were talking earlier. How many times would you guys have to replay that situation on 18 for it to end up with you walking off that green, uh, winning outright? A billion? Does <laughs> that sound about right? A billion? That, I still don't really know what happened. You Mongolian reversed him. You Mongolian reversed him, pro. Mongolian, That's what happened. Ultimate Mongolian. <laughs> you flipped that shit. Max, I was comparing it to Tiger's uh, chip in in that like uh, World Golf Cup thing he played with Duvall, where like Dude. he had the crazy like it's. That is so weird you say that because that's what I thought of as I was walking up the fairway. I, thought, I didn't know my ball was in the bunker, and I, I don't know why that shot popped up in my head, but that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> oh, this is why I'm the best in the game. I can just read thoughts all around. <laughs> Max, do you feel like just way more freed up in these situations now with the, the success you've had, the wins you've been able to pull off? Do you feel like you can play offense uh, in a situation like that? Yeah, I feel like... The fact that, like, my, my coach, Mark, this morning texted me and said, just hang around. He, he told me uh, Jack and Tiger have won a lot of tournaments by hanging around. And I just never felt like I had that in me. Like, I felt like I had to play great, you know. And, I mean, you do have to play great. But at the end of the day, part of it is just trusting your game and saying, I can just keep hitting golf shots and I won't fall back. I mean, yesterday I didn't hold a, hold a putt all all day and I was still one back. So that has helped, but ex experience has helped. And also honestly, like the, my back pocket kind of like, uh, I guess like ace in the hole was shout out to Jason Kokrak was uh, <laughs> that I'm going to play the president's cup like next week. So <laughs> win or lose, it's like, I was going to be really happy come Monday. Uh, I'm happier now, but I, it was like it was going to be all right. So I just felt like I had a lot of things working for me in, in the positivity aspect of this. Did it feel any different to show up at a golf tournament and be the favorite? Like, it, not only are you defending champion, but you were the favorite this week. Did that, so the first time that's happened in your PGA Tour career. A little bit, yeah. DJ texted me on uh, like Monday or Tuesday and said, what a world. And I laughed because like it, it is weird. But at the end of the day, it was like I could look at it as like a burden of expectation or I could look at it as this is pretty fucking awesome. And it, it was cool just to be odds on favorite tied with, you know, Hideki. It was cool. So I like looked at it as like what a awesome like opportunity. And yeah, I don't know. It's like it is one of those things think, like golf moves so fast. And I could picture being that was my first start back in 2013 ever as a pro and just begging to get a top 10 and now you go in there and they're saying yeah you're you're you know statistically supposed to win and that was a that felt really good what do you think it'll feel like max to put on that usa stuff next week you know you've had a lot of things that have felt overwhelming and big the last few years but I'm really curious to what that'll feel like dude i that's a great question i don't know i think it's going to be a little overwhelming as far as like just how like cool that is uh i think being around those 11 other players and the captains and everyone who's had just a tremendous success is going to be nuts um but yeah it's weird it's like something you dream of your whole life uh and then next week we get to do it i'm very thankful you know joe's already been to one and uh won one so i'll have at least somebody to lean on but it's crazy man like that's what i was saying like whether this week went great or didn't i would still have this upcoming week you know, that I was going to get to live out a, a little kid's dream. 
I know you got places to be, but where are you right now, Max? Where where do we find you right now? I am uh, on a plane about to go to Charlotte. Mm. Do you, do you, and my wife's seat? eating chicken tenders and french fries. Is that a Southwest you, flight? I can't pick out the detailing. Are, are you flying on? Is yeah. that, are you flying with Monahan or what, what? What's the deal here? I have a window. So I have a window seat. <laughs> <laughs> There's some. Are wood. you in the air currently on the on the Wi-Fi? No, no, we're okay. on the ground. Okay. There's okay. there's some wood trim on that on that plane. That doesn't look commercial <laughs> to me. <laughs> they've they've upgraded these commercial flights, man. They're pretty nice now. Hey, pro, this was number five for you, and that's a big milestone. Do you have any Do you have any idea why? Put you in. Yeah, it's hide Ricky Fowler. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, we're going to let you go. I know you got places to be. Uh, thank you for keeping the tradition alive. I can't believe that we've gotten to do this as many times as we have. But you, you, you call in after every win. I can't believe you still do it. Please don't ever forget about us little people. I'll never stop. Let's do it a whole lot more. I love you guys. Thank awesome you, Max. stuff, care, Max. Congrats. See you Thank you. Randy, why don't you uh, take us to uh, the LPGA Tour this week? Yes, yes, would love to. They were in Portland, beautiful Portland, Oregon, back at Columbia Edgewater. They had been on a hiatus from that course, but very glad that they're back there. Traditional home for the event. A very good event. Uh, I'll cut to the chase. Andrea Lee, first LPGA Tour victory. This, of course, is on the heels of her magnificent win at the Cintas Skills Challenge uh, with us last week in Cincinnati. Uh, shout out to the to the bump. Spoiler, I haven't watched oh, it. <laughs> oh, well, it's been out a little while, so I, I don't feel week, yeah, man. I don't feel bad about that. Andrea Lee, though, is a, a very interesting story. Actually, shades of of our good friend Max Homa, super talented junior player, uh, one of the highest ranked, if not the highest ranked, amateur in the game. Went to Stanford, rewrote all their record books, and. Um, was a little bit of a struggle when she when she came out on tour, had earned her card right away and dropped back down to what was the Symmetra, now the Epson Tour, finally broke through earlier this year winning on the Epson Tour and has followed that up now with her first win on the LPGA Tour. She's still just 24 years old, uh, but tons of talent, awesome Awesome uh, wedge player, short game. I was just so impressed with how steady she was down the stretch. She shot 67-66 this weekend, shot a back nine 31 today, uh, ended up winning by one stroke. It was uh, for, for a little while there, though, it was like as many as nine players had a shot with like three holes to go. It was, it was a real sweepstakes, but Andrea Lee is your winner. Congrats to her. That vaults her way up in the season-long race uh, for the, the, the CME season-long race for the Tour Championship. And I would just say that's, that's kind of the game within the game going on right now in the, on the LPGA. They have seven events, well, six, and then the seventh being the Tour Championship. And the top 60 prior to the Tour Championship will get in that season-ending event. So Today, Andrea Lee with the win, she she vaults up to 18th. We'll be playing an event like that with a $2 million first place winner's prize, uh, which everybody starts at level par. Um, the, the, the biggest first place prize in women's golf. And um, 
So I get beyond that, what was really interesting out in Portland, it, it wasn't the most star-studded of fields, but there was a lot of jockeying for position. So the, the besides that top 60 for the Tour Championship, the next big metric is the top 100 at the, at season's end um, go into the top priority status, essentially earning their card for next year. And so you had players like. Um, Dar, oh God, this is where I'm going to start mispronouncing names, but Daniela Darkea finished runner-up, her best result on the LPGA Tour. That essentially uh, will secure her card for next year. You have somebody, uh, young German player, Esser Heinzleit. She finished tied for third. She's in good position to finish in the top 100. So it was really fun. Lilia Vu looks like she's going to win sooner than later. She was another former uh, fantastic amateur player really getting back into form. Uh, and then the other one, Maya Stark finished eighth in her first start as a full LPGA member. She had won earlier this year in Northern Ireland. She was not uh, a member of the LPGA while doing so. That helped earn her her uh, membership on the LPGA. Of course, this eighth place finish, she's in good shape going into next year. So it was, it was uh, a, a really fun day at golf. Um, kind of a sweepstakes there at the end and the women are headed off to Northwest Arkansas for the Walmart championship, uh, next week. It, and it's only a three round event. It's one of the rare three round LPGA events. Insert live joke here. I believe <laughs> this is where that goes. And, and let me open it up to you gentlemen. Any questions for me? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Well, I, I don't think I've been familiar with a, uh, a week on the LPGA Tour where I think they, they struggled. They didn't fill the field. They didn't get 144 players. And I, I, I guess I'm curious as to why this, you know, this event is struggling from a, from a commitment standpoint. Um, is it just too many events in a row here and the, the West Coast travel adding a lot to it? What do, you, what do you think about that? I think that's exactly right. And that's unfortunate for the event because, like I said, the course is great. I think Portland's awesome. I, I think it's well-supported. Um, but it's like, you know, they're, they're in the midst of, I think seven straight weeks. This is like the halfway point where they have seven straight weeks of, of tournaments on the LPGA tour. And so, yeah, I think a lot of players just treated it as, you know, if, if we got to take a week off, this makes a lot of sense. And, uh, the, the Walmart event next week has long been a popular one. So I think, you know, they, they don't want to take that week off. So it, I, unfortunately, you know, I, I think a lot of people circled this week. I know she didn't make the cut, Randy, but I just I love seeing Lucy Lee out there. She's playing really well of late. Uh, like, you know, one of my favorite just stories from it's been super fun. Like as my kids are getting my youngest daughter's gotten into golf to show her like highlights of Lucy Lee on when she was playing Pinehurst at 14 and now be like, and look, and she's just earned her LPGA tour card for this year and stuff. So like, that's a cool thing. It was like, one of those stories of golf that like, you know, almost a decade later shows up and it's like, Hey, here's this person who was like burst onto the scene and like was super awesome. So I was, I know she, uh, has played better than she played this week, but, uh, it's just super awesome. Yeah. To see yeah. That. I, every time they, they show those old highlights, it is amazing how you, I mean, she was 11 years old. So of course she was, she was young, but I mean, just saying that out loud, just, Looking at an 11-year-old in a major tournament, it's it's outrageous, and all the credit. And she shot from 6,800 yards, shot like 75, yeah. 75 or whatever it was. Like, and I was going to say all the credit in the world to her to to now still be playing. One to just still be playing professional golf, not burning out, not you know we've seen the the mm -hmm. cautionary tales, 
but uh, has has clinched her card already through a season on the Epson tour and and will be a full member next year. And you know, I'm I'm hopeful for her. She's she's still super young. Uh, the future's all ahead of her. Uh, but I think she's somebody that certainly could become a fan favorite uh, over the next several years. Only other uh, notes I had remaining for uh, for this week in golf was Lady J is back on on uh, on Twitter. The first tweet since uh, October of 2020. Uh, getting chirpy in the replies as it's just staying very much on brand with uh, the previous brand. It's still the same person behind that account. That's for sure. Uh, I just want to thought that was a, a cause for celebration. I know TC is celebrating somewhere. Uh, yeah. Went after uh, Jeff Shackelford, right? For something like uh, saying that the lawyer quit or something. I don't know. Who knows? On that note, also, Larry uh, Clayman has been suspended from legal practice in D.C., which I don't I'm not a lawyer, uh, which I think I've made very clear, but I don't can't imagine that's great for Reed's $750 million uh, lawsuit against Brandle, but uh, who knows? We're kind of living in a backwards world. Maybe that that could be their strategy at this point. Uh, Venue shopping around. Maybe the Florida <laughs> appeals court can hear that one or something. I don't know. <laughs> Anything else we're leaving out? Anything uh, about this coming week? We're going to do a preview pod uh, for the President's Cup here. KVV, what are your, uh, what, what's your excitement level as we turn over to uh, to the President's Cup? Uh, it's, I'd say decent. I mean, I, it's not a venue that I particularly love, but I, I love, uh, you know, competition in U S versus somebody. So I will, uh, I'll tune into it. I was, I was actually rooting for the internationals last time around because I thought it would help kind of save the event a little bit. And, uh, at a place like Royal Melbourne it seemed like a really fun place for that could potentially happen. I don't, I don't, can't imagine a scenario where, uh, the internationals win and, and you have to sell your house cause you're underwater, Sully, but I didn't place um, the bet. we're fine. Didn't okay. All right. No, that's good to hear. But you know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, what's your level of excitement for it? I think there's weird fun stuff that comes out of these team competitions, regardless of how close the competition is in that regard. I'm excited for it. I love team golf. I think, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be fun to get a, a look at new team USA, obviously without Bryson and without DJ, uh, without Kepka. And, uh, you know, some of the other names they lost off the, off the team that freaking dominated the Ryder Cup last year. Like it was, you know, they were set up to really go on a run and they've, they've definitely lost some talent, but it's been mostly replaced. I would have loved to have seen Zalatoris uh, there this, this, this go around, which obviously is not going to happen. But in that regard, I think there's going to be, yeah, I think there's way more that goes into this event than the final result anyways. It's still not the Ryder Cup, of course. We know that. But I think that there's, I don't know, last time, like, Reed's caddy punched a fan and there's, you know, it, it, it just weird shit happens in in, in uh, team golf. And there'll be some interesting storylines develop. I have no idea what they are yet. I hope, you know, I, even at Liberty National, Anurban Lahiri was doing Tiger points when they were down 14 and a half to two and a half. And uh, there's just, there's bound to be some kind of usable content and some kind of fun entertainment that comes from it. And I'm looking forward to that. Is this uh, last international uh, cup for Adam Scott? for whatever reasons that come about Will we see him, I don't know. Uh, you know, he's fully committed to the PGA yeah. tour as far as everything I've heard, but uh, yeah, who knows? It could be multiple reasons why it's not, but um, could be a captain down the road. Who knows? Maybe it's just the end of his player, but he'll, you know, captain it down the road. Who knows? I would think he's staying, staying put at this point if he hasn't gone to this point, but we'll see. I have, uh, we'd be remiss, and I don't want to piss off the great people of Ireland. Uh, the, the mid-am was concluded, the men's mid-am, and uh, it was an all-Irish final with Matthew McLean. He's a 29-year-old optometrist uh, from Belfast. He won 3-1 and one over countryman and close friend Hugh Foley. 
So uh, this was actually, which I, I almost found hard to believe. It's the first time uh, somebody from Ireland has won a USGA championship, an, an amateur championship. Obviously inspired by the, the Queen, right, Randy? The, the Irish. <laughs> I'm not Damn touching it. that one, KVV. Come on, I'm not, come on, KVV. Uh, Get your politics out of my sports. I'm I'm part of the Irish diaspora. Like uh, my family got spread all around the world by the the famine. I was well. You can take pot shots. I don't, I don't feel comfortable. You know, <laughs> okay. I, I don't have that. God bless the 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 Queen. Seemed like a very nice lady. Uh, I, I'm not going to go much further than that. So. They got, uh, as I steer this back towards the mid-end, they got dumped on with rain. I think the courses were both Blue Mound and Aaron Hills were, uh, were, were dialed up really good. They got like five inches of rain in between round one and two, or basically as rounds two uh, in stroke play had started. But they, they streamed a little bit of it, I think, of the, of the final match. I didn't get to watch much of it. But hopefully there's some mid-end coverage uh, at some point in the future where you can watch them play uh, a course like Aaron Hills. So Yeah, which, and, and the, the – the women's mid-am, for anybody interested, has just begun at uh, Fiddlesticks. Sully, have you ever played Fiddlesticks down in Fort Myers? I have not played Fiddlesticks. That's, uh, you made that up. There's not a golf course. <laughs> there is. I promise. I promise. <laughs> okay. Terrible name. Pretty hot to be playing in Fort Myers right now. But, uh, yeah, what are you going to yeah. do? With that, I think that is a wrap on uh, the beginning of the new PGA Tour season as we turn over here into, uh, into Presidents Cup weeks. President's Cup week, we are going to have live shows after every day, Thursday through Sunday. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to the week. I think it's it's better than, you know, going – definitely better than, like, a uh, the Sanderson or something. Sorry to take a shot at the Sanderson, but better than going to a 72 all-stroke play event this week. So that's that's the uh, the backhanded compliment I'll, I'll give the President's Cup. I'm excited. I am excited. We'll, we'll have more to come on that preview on Monday. So and uh, and not the only major championship. The of course our very own Roos Club Championship taking place this coming week in Kansas City. So good luck to all the all the the chapters, the Roos, and all the people participating. Uh, NLU is sending a delegation. So uh, this will be the the inaugural event, and uh, we're going to crown a champion. So. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, check out uh, nolayingup.com slash join. We have something called The Nest, and uh, this is one of the season-long events, championships, if you will. But regretfully, Randy and I will not be there, but we're, we're sending we, – we got our best squad got on it. We got our, looks. our best men and women on it. So we, we Coalition we're, of Nations. We're excited for the, our representation there, but – Thank you both for spending a lovely Sunday evening with me. Uh, my Sunday scaries are close to being gone here a little bit, but uh, still feeling the guilt and shame from from consuming too much crab and uh, and alcohol this weekend. But uh, you got a lovely part of the world, KVV. I must say, it was a great great time down in Breton Bay. So maybe one of these times we'll get to hang out when you come. <laughs> I believe we we can do that at some point. This was too tight of a window. Don't give me, don't guilt me into this. I got enough going on. I, just, I, I had to throw that in there. I did a little digging you. I know. You got you got a lot of this. Maryland is not that like it's it take it would take me what like ninety minutes to come see you. So it was, in those it was scenarios, like it's it was not close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everyone for tuning in. As always, thanks to Max for calling in after a win. As always, another ridiculous sentence to say, and we'll see you guys later this week. Cheers. Right Cheers. on. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!
expect anything.